The next branch of Iman is listed as a man's tenacity in his deen, a person's tenacity in his deen, so that he or she would rather be cast into the fire than leave Islam. This is a hadith that I mentioned earlier, but it comes again in Bukhari Muslim by Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik anhu, that there are three things which, when they are present in anyone, will cause them to taste the sweetness of faith, the halawat of Iman. The third thing there was in that he should loathe to return to unbelief after Allah had rescued him from it, just as he would be loath to be cast into a blazing fire. Sayyidina Anas also narrates a hadith that's mentioned in Muslim, a man once begged from the Prophet ﷺ, and he gave him enough sheep to fill a valley. He returned to his people and said, Enter Islam, for by Allah, Muhammad ﷺ gives with no fear of poverty. People would go to the Prophet ﷺ wanting only worldly goods, and would find before the day was out that their religion had become dearer and more precious to them than the whole world. The first thing mentioned here is tenacity in the deen means istiqamat in the deen. Istiqamat is part of iman, and obviously iman leads to istiqamat. This notion of not wanting be, to be returned to unbelief includes not wanting to return to sin. Kufr literally in the Arabic language means to deny or reject. The ultimate denial and rejection is the denial of the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is why kufr is used for unbelief, for atheism. But another way for kufr is to understand this is a denial and rejection of a ni'mah or of a commandment, right? Or of a teaching of the sunnah. So if a person was in that state of sin and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes him out, then it's part of his iman that he should be as loath to enter back into that sin. He would rather prefer entering a physical fire than going back into that sin. And this was the state of the Sahaba Ikram. They used to refer to their past lives as their jahiliyyah, their ignorance. And even today people will sometimes refer to their period of their life where they were not perhaps following the true teachings of the deen as their jahiliyyah. And it's their greatest fear and their greatest loathing that they would ever be returned to such a previous state. As far as the next hadith goes, it simply suggests that the Prophet ﷺ had istiqamat on his deen in the following way, in that when people would come to him for something in the dunya, he had no need of the dunya. He was happy to give the dunya away if that would be able to convince somebody that he... It's not that he bought people, people misunderstand this. He did not bribe people to enter Islam. But rather when they saw that Rasulullah had no care for the dunya, they were amazed. Now what type of person is this? Up till now in our society, every leader, political, religious, economic, cultural, tribal, has always been attached to the worst, this world. And when we would go to them to ask of the world, perhaps they would give, perhaps they wouldn't give. Nobody was ever given this generously, as carelessly, as if he has no care at all for the dunya. And they would realize that there must be something there. <laughs> what does this person have that they're absolutely carefree about the dunya? And they would realize that this person must be on haq, must have a true teaching, there must be something other than the dunya which has value in this person's eyes and that is the deen, that is the deen of Islam. The next branch of iman is the quest for ilm. Namely, ilm of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that which has come from Him and knowledge that the prophets have been sent with and knowledge of their distinguishing attributes and of the laws, the ahkam of Allah most high and of the sources in which His ahkam are to be sought such as the kitab and the sunnah Qiyas and the conditions for ijtihad. The Quran and Hadith are full of statements about the merit of knowledge and the learned. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala most high says, Inna yakshallahu min ibadihi ulama, that only those that know have fear of Allah. And in another verse, Allah Himself bears witness that there is no God save Him, 
and the angels and the learned bear witness likewise. And another verse, He teaches you what you did not know, and Allah's favor upon you has ever been mighty. And another verse, Allah will exalt those who believe among you and those who have knowledge to high ranks. And another verse, are those who know equal to those who do not, only those with insight can keep this in mind. Then one hadith for today, Sayyidina Ibn Amr anhu mentions, also in Bukhari Muslim, that the Prophet said, Allah does not remove knowledge by taking it away from mankind, but does so rather by bringing to an end the lives of those people who possess ilm, until there shall come a time when not a single learned man remains, and people appoint ignorant leaders for themselves, who when asked give opinions while having no ilm, being themselves astray, they cause others to stray also. The rest of this we will read tomorrow. Just comment that ilm is part of the way to nourish our iman. It's very difficult to have strong iman when we remain ignorant about our deen. And the first thing being mentioned here is ilm about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, knowing His attributes, knowing all of the verses in which He has de- described Himself and described and defined the abd-rab relationship. At the very least, this is the minimum of ilm we need to know in order to strengthen our iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But obviously Imam Bihaqi includes that the ilm that the Prophets have been sent with, the akam, qiyas, ijtihad. Now qiyas and ijtihad is not really going to be that necessary for a person's iman, right? Uh, this is something that is really maybe a specific juristic activity. Then many ayat, I will discuss some of the ayat tomorrow, the hadith for today. That Allah does not remove knowledge, and this is something you can see in this world. That the ilm is there, sitting in your Khalisa collection, you can go and you can do ziyarat of these multi-volume books in Arabic. It's not gone anywhere. But where are those people who are able to get the ilm from those books? They are gradually disappearing from the face of this earth. Right? The Qur'an al-Kareem is there, the Sunnah is there, all the tafsir, the shuruhat, everything is there. But the ability of people who have that knowledge, or have the ability or have the intention even, to get the ability to get that knowledge is fading away. Then uh, the Prophet ﷺ makes something very clear. That there will come a time when not a single alim remains. So this will happen over and over. Ilm will not disappear from this earth, but ilm wallet will disappear from this earth. And then he mentions something that's very wrong. And that is to appoint a ghair alim as an amir. And this is for any affair, whether it's a matter of the deen, a khidmat of the deen, whether it's the hukumat, whether it's society, whether it's judge. We have ghair alims in your federal shariat court, ghair alims in your shariat bench in the supreme court. Right? To appoint a ghair alim as any type of emir is a sign of the ignorance of the times. And you will see in earlier times in different areas, whatever, even 50 years ago, even 100 years ago, you would see that ulama had more of a status in the people of the dunya and in the people of the deen. The people of the dunya in general, if they don't give deen status, they're not going to give the people who have the ilm of the deen status. So the first loss that is going to occur is going to occur within the people of the deen. The first group that is going to start appointing non-alims as their emirs are going to be people from within the deen. The people from the dunya obviously are not going to appoint an alim as their emir if they're basing their activity on the basis of the dunya. And what does the Prophet And they say that when you have an emir who doesn't have the ilm, when he is asked, that is his role of emir, you will take mashwar from him, you will ask your ruling from him, he will give an opinion while not having ilm. Being themselves astray, they cause others to stray also. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us, grant us the tawfiq to increase in our ilm.
May Allah Ta'ala save us from any ideology or movement that suggests to us that ilm is secondary or tertiary or is not necessary or is optional. Ilm is something that has created. There is no single khidmat of the deen except that it was launched and nurtured and supported and brought to takmil by the ulama. If after that one chooses to abandon them, then one does so to their own, to their own danger and to the danger of that work. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us people of ilm or make us people who follow the people of ilm as He Himself has stated in the Qur'an al-Kareem and as the Prophet has wished in His ta'neem wa akhirat da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.